And a good afternoon to you, Roster Watch Nation. It's your local friendly trash man. And this is the fantasy fallout for week six going into week seven. Let's go ahead and get started with the first matchup. The Eagles at the Giants. The Eagles won this one 34-14. Wendell Smallwood had 51 yards, and he outtouched Corey Clement 19-14. The Clement had the better day on the whole, 69 yards and a touchdown. Both are flex starts moving forward, but Clement is the more explosive back with the higher upside. Nelson Aguilar's 91-yard game was deceptively productive. Most of his yards came on a 58-yard play where he was ignored by the, off, by the defense and only had three catches on the day, which was a season low. He's actually had five or fewer targets in all but one of Wentz's starts this season. On the other side of the ball, Eli Manning had 281 yards and one interception, and he's finally playing like his dour demeanor suggests he should most of the time. The bulk of his yards came thanks to Saquon Barkley shaking and baking in what seems like a fruitless endeavor to become Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'm pretty sure they already have Patrick Mahomes' name engraved on that. Or in garbage time for Manning. Luckily for him, though, he gets Atlanta this upcoming week. That should be enough of a Band-Aid to play your Giants with some confidence this week. Evan Ingram practiced this week, but he wasn't able to put it together in time for the Thursday game, or last week, rather, he practiced. He should return this week, making Sterling Shepard a risky start once again, although because of the Atlanta matchup, that could be good for him. Moving on to the next game, the Bears at the Dolphins. Bears lost this one in a heartbreaker, 28-31. The Bears' offense seemed to have turned a corner, And rightfully so, Mitch Trubisky has a slew of potent weapons, the most surprising of which is Taylor Gabriel, who had five receptions, one carry for 119 yards. He's had a second straight 100-plus yard game, and he needs to be owned and started. We finally saw a glimpse of what Anthony Miller is capable of on a 29-yard catch and scamper into the end zone late in the game. Unfortunately, that was his only catch on the day. He scored in two of his last three games, But Miller isn't getting enough action to be on the fantasy radar yet. On the other side of the ball, Albert Wilson had six receptions, 155 yards, and two touchdowns. He actually made Brock Eilesweiler look like a real quarterback on Sunday, amounting for many of his 380 yards. Both are dart throw DFS plays this week, should Ryan Tannehill not return. But I'm staying away from both of them in season-long formats. There's too much, too much action to go around on that Miami offense. Frank Gore, 16 touches, 119 yards. He must keep imbibing from the fantasy, from the fountain of youth, rather. Um, he's made his third straight 60-plus yard game with this Sunday. He was out-touched by Kenyon Drake, 17-16, but this is an even timeshare where Gore is the preferable back to own in standard formats, and Drake is the guy in PPR. On to the next matchup. The Bills at the Texans. Bills lost this one 13-20. Josh Allen left the game in the third quarter with an elbow injury after throwing for only 84 yards. 
and was followed by the comedy of errors that is Nathan Peterman. Peterman had 61 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. The Bills signed journeyman Derek Anderson recently, uh, so you could see him start Week 7 against the Colts. Actually, I think that might be a benefit for the entire uh, Bills offense. There's still no one worth bothering to roster, though, on the Bills whose name isn't LaShawn McCoy. Those eight Jones... At three receptions, 35 yards, and a touchdown, he did have a decent game by Bill's standards. On the other side of the ball, Alfred Blue had nine touches to Lamar Miller's 17 on Sunday, alleviating Miller owners' fears that he would usurp the middling starter. Blue probably won't take the job, but Deontay Forme might. Foreman is eligible to return in Week 7 and would be a welcome addition to what has been proven to be a mediocre backfield, or at least with that offensive line in front of them. Foreman is a solid add in any format. Deshaun Watson had a rough day against the Bills, throwing two interceptions and fumbling three times, and things probably won't come much easier against the Jags this week. The Cowboys managed to have their way with them, but the Cowboys' O-line is considerably better than Houston's. DeAndre Hopkins is my only sure bet in that one. Do you want more of the Roster Watch podcast? Well, now you can have it. The Roster Watch Pro podcast is now available for pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. All you have to do is sign up for a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. You'll get access to all pro podcasts as well as our tools for fantasy draft season like the epic and magical mystical cheat sheets, in-season tools like the matchup tool, snap counts, touches, targets, touchdown dependency, so much more. And then our DFS products, including the DFS cheat sheets for DraftKings and FanDuel, the Vegas tool, the Hyper DFS professional lineup optimizer, and so much more. If you play preseason DFS, Roster Watch Pro is for you. We'll have weekly previews of the main slates for all of our pro members mixed in with exclusive content from the 2018 training camp tour. And then in season, you're going to be able to enjoy Byron Lambert's legendary trade cast, uh, the Waiver Wire podcast, uh, premium podcasts like our weekly DFS breakdown. All this, all our tools, and all the access to us that you can imagine for the lowest price in the industry. We are a nation. Join us at rosterwatch.com. Moving on to the next game, the Buccaneers at the Falcons. Buccaneers lost this one 29-34, although they almost won it if Deshaun Jackson had not bungled. Uh, 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 well, it wasn't a handoff. It was kind of a fumble. It was kind of a, kind of a lateral uh, from Jameis Winston at the end of the game. The Bucks moved back to Peyton Barber, who had 17 touches, 106 yards, and a touchdown this week after speculation that Ronald Jones would move up into the starting spot after the week five bye. Barber out-touched Jones 17-4, to so it wasn't even close. He'll be an underwhelming flex option in week seven against Cleveland. Barber, that is. O.J. Howard had four receptions, 62 yards, and a touchdown. No setbacks from his recently sprained MCL, and he will be the preferred option over Cameron Bray moving forward. You know, Jameis Winston has always liked Adam Humphreys, who had three receptions and 82 yards, but I wouldn't read too deeply into Humphreys' line on Sunday. Most of his yardage came in a 51-yard chunk, and he's otherwise not getting enough targets to really matter in fantasy. On the other side of the ball, it's week seven, and just as I suspected, Julio Jones is still without a touchdown on the season. 
I wrote a piece several years ago detailing his lack of touchdown production throughout his career, even way back in college, and he's remained pretty consistent to that. It kind of uh, makes the fact that he's so reliable in fantasy that much more impressive, though. Ito Smith outtouched Tevin Coleman 13-11 to in this one. Both players saved their days with touchdowns, but they were mostly ineffective otherwise. Devontae Freeman is dealing with foot and groin injuries right now, so it is conceivable that Week 7 will be another timeshare. And Austin Hooper had his second straight 70-plus yard game in Week 6. He's unowned in over 30% of leagues, so pick him up where you can and play him. Calvin Ridley escaped this game with a bone bruise in his ankle. But don't be surprised if the team sits him out until after their week eight bye. Muhammad Sanu might be a nice preemptive ad this week for those who can fit him in. Moving on to the next game, the Cardinals at the Vikings. Cardinals lost this one 17-27. Josh Rosen isn't not struggling overall. But he zeroes in on Christian Kirk, who had six receptions and 77 yards. So Kirk continues to be an asset in fantasy. Larry Fitzgerald actually led the team with eight targets, but he could only manage 39 yards on the day. On the other side of the ball, Latavius Murray is no special player. We know that much. But it's hard to ignore his 25-touch, 158-yard, one-touchdown day. He makes for a reasonable Running back to start if Dalvin Cook can't go this week. Kirk Cousins was under duress most of the day, it seemed, and he used Adam Thielen like a safety blanket. Stephen Diggs is still the better talent and still the better deep threat, but Thielen is Cousins' favorite receiver and go-to guy when things get hairy. Moving on to the next game, the Chargers at the Browns. Chargers won this one 38-14. to Terrell Williams, or Tyrell Williams, Williams, however you want to say it, had the game of his career on Sunday, racking up 118 yards and two touchdowns on just three receptions. It was a stellar day for him, but he's still untouchable in season-long fantasy, in my opinion. I mean, three receptions isn't a lot. And in fact, he hasn't topped three receptions once this season. On the other side of the ball, rookie Damian Ratley led the Browns in receiving with six catches for 82 yards. With little competition in the wide receiving core outside of Jarvis Landry, RIP Antonio Callaway, he makes for an intriguing pick and play against the Buccaneers this week. Duke Johnson had a decent fantasy outing finally. Six touches, 109 yards, but he hasn't topped six touches once this season. His floor is low. But he could have another big day against the Bucs this week. They tend to cure what ails. Carlos Hyde had 14 touches and 34 yards, and he's proven to be somewhat touchdown dependent after a strong start to the season. The fact that he's largely ignored in the passing game doesn't help his case in what should be a cherry matchup otherwise with Tampa this week. Moving on to the next game. The Colts at the Jets' high-scoring game. Colts 34, lost this one to the Jets, who had 42. Marlon Mack stepped right in as the Colts lead back and immediately boosted their running game. He had 13 touches for 93 yards. Naheem Hines will still stay involved in the passing game, but Mack needs to be owned and started in plus matchups. 
Chester Rogers, double-digit targets once again. Four reception, 55 yards, and a touchdown. He continues to be the Colts' premier pass catcher while T.Y. Hilton is sitting out. He's had three straight double-digit fantasy days, but he's still only owned in 16% of leagues. If Hilton sits again this week, Rodgers needs to be started in all but the shallowest of formats. On the other side of the ball, Andre Roberts stepped in for Quincy Anunwa upon Anunwa injuring his ankle on Sunday, but it was actually Jermaine Curse who absorbed his targets. He had nine receptions for 94 yards. There were indications that Anunwa's injury could be serious, so Curse is probably worth adding this week. He's a slot receiver, so he should be able to find some success against the otherwise formidable Vikings this week. I can't say the same about Terrell Pryor, who also had a pretty decent game. Sam Darnold starting to put things together, it seems, with a second respectable outing in a row. 280 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Unfortunately for him, he has somewhat of a murderous row of defenses for what looks like the rest of the season. I'm still gun-shy on starting him until I see what he does against some of these good defenses. In fact, most of the defenses he's going to be facing for the rest of the season are pretty good. On to the next game, the Panthers at the Redskins. Panthers lost this one 17-23. Greg Olson had four receptions for 48 yards. He played 59 of 60 snaps in Week 6, so it's evident that he was not limited. There's a very good chance he injures himself, though, at some point this season. Fit injuries tend to be that way, but you have to start him while you have him. DJ Moore had four receptions for 59 yards, but lost two fumbles on Sunday. He stayed active in the Panthers' offense, though they seem intent on getting him more involved, regardless of his rookie mishaps. He's easily the most talented receiver they have, so that all makes sense. He's still just a stash in most formats, but Moore's best days are ahead of him this this season, in my opinion. On the other side of the ball, Adrian Peterson, 17 touches, 97 yards. He had a nice game in Chris Thompson's absence. While Capri Bibbs, who a lot of people thought were going to have, was going to have uh, quite a few touches this game, only had three of them for 16 yards. Should Thompson sit again, I wouldn't bother with any back other than AP. For what it's worth, and that's not much, Paul Richardson has been the Redskins' best receiver this this season. He had three receptions, 31 yards, and a touchdown this past week. That being said, he's still unusable in all but the deepest of formats. Moving on to the next game, the Seahawks at the Raiders. Seahawks won this one 27-3 in London. The Seahawks are intent on getting Rashad Penny action. 11 touches, 70 yards for him on Sunday. He's playing ahead of Mike Davis, even though Davis has been more effective, it seems. Some of his usage may be attributed to the fact that Seattle was playing with a lead, a comfortable lead for most of the game, but his constant presence does not bode well for Chris Carson. David Moore, wide receiver, scored another touchdown this week and looks to be their primary red zone target for Seattle. Since none of the tight ends are doing anything in the red zone these days, Moore is going to be touchdown dependent, but he's worth a look in deep and dynasty formats. On the other side of the ball, the whole Raiders offense was in shambles for this one. You could blame the long flight to London, but Seattle was coming from the same time zone. Both Amari Cooper and Seth Roberts were concussed, but both have the bye week this upcoming week, so 
they should be good to go in week eight. Jalen Richard, seven reception, 48 yards, is Oakland's most consistent pass catcher on the season. Yes, you heard that right. He's used primarily when the Raiders fall behind, and that seems to be most of the time these days. Moving forward, the Steelers at the Bengals. Bengals kept it close, but the Steelers pulled this one out 28-21. to Le'Veon Bell has yet to report to the Steelers as of Monday afternoon, putting his Week 7 return into question. If you still have James Conner, it's not a bad idea to hold on to him instead of trying to trade him. They're going to use him regardless of when Bell returns. On the other side of the ball, all your Bengals, all your Bengals starters perform pretty well, despite what is often a low-scoring divisional game between these two teams. Fire them up as usual against Kansas City this week in what should be a shootout. Next game, Rams at the Broncos. Rams won this one 23-20. Jared Goff finally had a pedestrian game. 201 yards and one interceptions as Todd Gurley handled the Broncos on the ground. He had a personal best 208 yards rushing on the ground this past week. Goff and the rest of the Rams should return to form against San Francisco in Week 7. Cooper Cup appeared to wreck his knee only to come back after the half. He didn't record a catch on the day, so there may be more to this story. Keep an eye on his practices during the week. Josh Reynolds would be the next up in his absence if Cup were to miss. On the other side of the ball, Cortland Sutton had three receptions, 58 yards. He continues to contribute as much as a third receiver can in this Keenum case-led Broncos offense. Head coach Vance Joseph is tied to Keenum, so don't expect any changes anytime soon. Sutton is strictly a dynasty prospect at the current time. Next game, the Jaguars at the Cowboys. Jaguars got blowed out, 7-40. Blake Bortles, 149 yards, one touchdown, one interception, has thrown five interceptions to two touchdowns over his last two games. The Jags sorely need Leonard Fournette to balance this offense out as Bortles doesn't play well from behind. Hopefully Fournette comes back this week, but I'm wary of any Jags pass catchers against the Texans. Cole Beasley on the other side of the ball, nine receptions, 101 yards, two touchdowns, had his first 100-plus yard game in almost three years as a Cowboy against the Jags team that the Cowboys weren't going to attack on the outside, so that makes sense. You could see a similar game script against Washington this week, so I think Beasley deserves a look in PPR format. On to the next game, the Ravens at the Titans. Alex Collins finally had the kind of game we're looking for from him in this grinder. Uh, 19 carries for 54 yards, two touchdowns, only 2.8 average yards per carry, but the touchdowns helped him out a lot, and he out-touched Buck Allen by quite a bit, 19-4. to Michael Crabtree led the Ravens in receiving this one, six receptions for 93 yards, one touchdown, and Willie Sneed was second with seven receptions for 60 yards. John Brown got left out in this one. I guess somebody had to, although we weren't expecting it to be John Brown. We can't expect him to go big in every game, although he is their deep threat, so we'll take it. 
Willie Sneed deserves a good-looking PPR. He's been, you know, fairly consistent, getting kind of middling scores. But this was a good one for him. He had 10 targets on the day. Um, he could get quite a bit of usage against um, tougher opponents. On the other side of the ball, it was a train wreck for the Tennessee Titans who got blanked by the Ravens. Marcus Mariota held only 117 yards on the day. The highest leading receiver was Tajay Sharp, who had two receptions for 33 yards. Uh, nothing really much else to say about the Titans' offense this game. Hopefully they do better moving forward. On to the Sunday evening game, which you know may be a foreshadowing to the AFC uh, championship this winter. Kansas City lost this one to the Patriots 40 to 43. They almost pulled it off. Patrick Mahomes is the real deal. I've never seen something quite like what we're seeing from him right now. 352 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. And he can come back. He's 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 got he's got that win in him. Kareem Hunt had another great game. He seems to be stringing him together now. The offense seems to be a bit more balanced out with the run and passing game. And Tyreek Hill, another monster. It seems like it's either he either gets monsters or not much. I wouldn't say he's boom bust. But he's like a, a, a boom bap, maybe. Sammy Watkins was the odd man out in this one. Only two receptions for 18 yards. On the other side of the ball, Sony Michelle, now that he's got no Rex Burkhead to contend with, eating up carries. He had 24 of them in this game, 106 yards and two touchdowns. James White still stayed involved as he's, you know, one of their premier pass catchers. Chris Hogan actually had a decent game, four receptions for 78 yards. Although, I mean, I figure you have to expect most of the Patriots to get some action against these Chiefs who you can throw on for the first thing and then you know Mahomes is going to put up yards and points you're going to have to keep up with that so teams are are going to put on their best show against them Josh Gordon even more snaps this week even more targets nine targets he actually led the Patriots in targets with those nine five receptions for 42 yards I see him only getting more and more involved in this Patriots offense anyway that's all I have as far as the information that, you know, y- y- you might not have noticed otherwise. Good luck in week seven. Hit me up in the comments section of any of our articles on the site. I'll try to answer what questions I can. This has been the fantasy fallout for week six going into week seven. See ya.